0: For great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's
1: News Talk Radio TNT. Yes, as we launch into hour two of State of the Nation with myself, Brian McLean, and Steve Hook, I have to remind you that last December, Julian Assange's two day public hearing was announced for February 20th and 21st at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United States. Uh, TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire two days. So after that, TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London, lighting that fuse for freedom as we do over here at today's News Talk TNT. Now, Steve, you know, uh, we, we kind of uh, pulled the, the lid back on the Super Bowl a little bit there in the first hour. I'd like to continue that here. Uh, as I said, I didn't actually watch it, but I am always watching what's going on at Gun Owners of America. Now, as the United States prepared for its most watched sporting event of the year, anti-gun senators are pushing for reauthorization of the Undetectable Firearms Act of 1988 in Congress. Uh, Luckily, though, thanks to the support of grassroots membership, Gun Owners of America and their allies in Congress were successful in removing a permanent reauthorization of said UFA from a must-pass military funding bill. Um, But, you know, the thing that bothers me about this so much is the anti-gun lobby. Of course, they aren't going to give up without a fight. And uh, this law is is set to expire in just under a month. And in drumming up support for the reauthorizing of the UFA, anti-gun politicians have found some new allies, professional sports leagues. So the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, and even NASCAR, (laughs) what (laughs) have written a letter to congress in support of the reauthorization of the undetectable firearms act now i just got to point this out um it was uh if if professional sports leagues were concerned about these types of firearms being snuck into their events all they have to do is uh upgrade their security systems instead of relying on unconstitutional law that criminals are going to ignore. They have millimeter wave scanners and other modern detection devices that can detect non-metal such as plastic guns and common metal uh, detectors like the Garrett hand scanner which can easily detect metal weighing far less than 3.7 ounce of metal requirements which used to be the requirement in the 80s. So um, it's pretty interesting how this works out because you can actually uh, scan a, a 22 round You can get a hit from a 22 round so it's ridiculous this whole thing is ridiculous the senators have been called out on it um ben from gun owners of america demonstrated that very simply how a garrett security one can detect a 22 lr bullet through layers of 3d printed plastic and clothing so what's up with professional sports steve Well, you know, Hey, listen, here's, we've noticed this, uh, it's, it's
2: happened a lot lately where, uh, and, and this is so, so ugly the way they, the politicians and, uh, Democrats specifically have really turned everything into politics. It's all politics now. Uh, your your sitcom on TV is going to be loaded with a narrative and an agenda pushing storyline. Uh, professional athletes are going to be called uh, to to demand uh, Dei. and 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 right here, in the name of the gun law, the undetectable Firearms Act, OK, well, most people hear that. And they're like, well, yeah, I don't think there should be undetectable firearms. And that's about as far as their investigation goes. And then they say, if it's going to get these politicians off our back, sign the damn letter. Uh, American people don't even know what this act is all about. And that's what they do. And this is the corrosive nature of the left. They it's I tell you, we've mentioned it on this show so many times, Ash, it is like answer it metastasizes it infects everything it touches whether it's sitcoms whether it's uh, our our nightly newscasts whether it's our our to a growing extent our sporting events i i just think americans are sick of it and this gun grab is not going to play it's never played well in the heart of the country so i don't know where it's going to go from here but
1: nascar boy that's a shocker huh Uh, Well, I guess they want to join the ranks of Bud Light, perhaps. Hey, at TNT Radio, we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time, and we broadcast live 24-7 online, globally, no matter what. We got you covered on today's news talk, TNT.
2: The facts, no
0: spin or agenda. enough with the lies, we need the facts.
1: This is today's
0: news talk radio,
1: TNT all right well welcome to this edition of top secret document hoarders today we shine a light on the current occupant of the white house joe biden he held classified documents in his unlawful possession for perhaps 14 years without a word to authorities dating back to at least his departure from the senate on january 15th of 2009 when he resigned to become vice president or if not longer over his some 36 year senate career in fact, in 2017, Biden was fully aware that he had wrongfully removed these classified files. And as Robert Herr noted, there is a taped conversation on record between Biden and his ghostwriter to just that effect. Biden at home in Virginia was recorded as remarking, quote, I just found all the classified stuff downstairs, end quote. Joining us now to discuss is our friend and colleague, Gene Valentino from the Grassroots Truthcast. Gene, welcome back. So uh, so that Joe's just a well-meaning, forgetful guy line is uh, wearing a little bit thinner this week as we move on down the analysis rabbit hole, isn't it? Oh, golly.
3: Um, it pays to be incapacitated, doesn't it? I mean, you you can pull <laughs> these stunts off and, and get away with it. Hey, I got a good one for you just before you begin. Did you know Nancy Pelosi has some secret powers? She. This is breaking news. It turns out the San Francisco 49ers just received four mail-in touchdowns at 4 a.m. this morning.
1: They won the Super Bowl. (laughs) Did you know that? So many televisions that didn't didn't need to be destroyed by uh, drunk viewers, 49er fans, I guess.
3: Well, there you go. I mean, consistent with what you and Steve are saying, you've got all kinds of fraud occurring in and out of different elements of government. This is another one. So this, this 49ers won because Pelosi arranged four mail-in touchdowns. That's got to be the story of the day. I tell you. <laughs> no, to your, to your point, uh, there's a complete... Um, Jill Biden is smart if she just lets her husband take a little bit more uh, of a beating on his um, capacity, uh, his mental acuity and capacity to run, his ability to be our president right now, because, um, you know, you don't get charged as evidenced by uh, what the uh, special prosecutor just did. He doesn't plan to charge Biden. Why? Because of his mental capacity. Well, if his mental capacity is so bad, he gets off on the criminal charges. Whether or not uh, Trump gets relieved of corresponding similar charges or not, who cares? Let's just get Joe off the hook on criminal charges. Let's separately decide how long he stays in office as our president with capability or no capability. But to your point, Brian... You've got Lloyd Austin now back in the hospital, who's running the defense department, some assistant a defense secretary we don't even know of or have seen. We don't know what orders she's giving. We don't even know if they've talked to the president, Biden, about this issue. And the world sees two serious leaders in our government incapacitated right now. I submit we are at the worst point as in a crisis mode than we've ever realized before, and we don't even know it. Yeah. And and you know, it's Gene, we were talking about
2: it before in the lead up to the first hour. We were talking about how uh you know, Biden has had the worst possible week. Uh, and it's funny to watch the way they're spinning this. I mean, you've got James Carvel out there, you've got Paul Begala out there, they're all I mean. They're sound, sounding the alarm, saying, "Look, this is bad. This is very, very bad." And then on the other side of it, you've got uh, the uh, the Biden officials, the uh, the the press uh, the press corps that, uh, or his press secretary and everybody else saying, "Look, this was obviously a political hit job by Robert Herr. Well, my question is, if it was a political hit job, let's just say that is the case. It was a political hit job. Okay, let's play that out. A political hit job would have been, and that's why we are going to prosecute. But they didn't prosecute. He said, nope, he would come across as a th- sympathetic witness. And much like the laundry list of crimes that Hillary Clinton committed, that James Comey uh, read out read aloud and everybody thought, oh boy, she's about to go down. And then he says, but no reasonable prosecutor would press charges. Well, this time yeah. around, Robert Hurt covers his ass by saying, he'd come across as a kindly old guy that has a, a, you know, kind of a spotty memory. So we're not going to, so how can they, how can they have one side of the mouth, say it's a political hit job and the other defend the fact that he did not choose to prosecute
3: bad behavior. And when the next administration gets in there, I suspect there'll be a complete enema on this bad behavior that really has showing its ugly colors and is, uh, is selective prosecution, uh, it's uh, unfair and disparate prosecution. It's um, it's unjust by any standard. And I don't know where prosecutors get off um, deciding whether they're going to prosecute or not prosecute based on medical or mental capacity. You prosecute and then let the defense bring up the, the capacity of their uh, uh, of the of the defendant if that's the case. But to not prosecute because of the mental capacity is is unjust on face. So your point was made. Uh, Hillary Clinton, she allegedly had no in uh, affliction or um, handicap with her mental capacity, but no one would uh, rightfully prosecute her for that. Well, with that bleach bit story and scrubbing the server and 30, 40,000 emails or whatever it was, That we're sitting out there now going unaddressed, oh, let's just let the time go by. Let's let the commentators in the news media uh, get it out of their system and complain about it for six months to a year. And it'll just sort of melt away and evaporate away is unjust. It's an abuse of the media itself. And I think something's got to radically change on that
1: yeah yeah absolutely so you know given the the quote that biden gave his uh, ghostwriter in 2017 um i'm gonna riff off of what tyler durden wrote over at zero hedge hedge wrote he said and yet biden apparently did nothing he never came forward to any federal authorities for nearly the next five years so given that knowledge why did the attorneys belatedly disclose biden's possession of the files on november 2nd of 2022 was it civic virtue altruism respect for the law i i don't think so because if we really look back the jack smith was appointed as a special prosecutor to investigate trump for the trump files in august of 2022 so i mean they're not even trying to hide the fact that this is like a, a, a massive CYA campaign that Biden likely knew he didn't need to worry about the entire time.
3: There has to be a constitutional amendment because of the acceleration, the velocity, the speed of technology, social media, and the way you and I deliver messages to the public as well. There's got to be an amendment to the Constitution. That holds the prosecutorial elements of our governance uh, uh, accountable individually. Do you think this these different uh, uh, prosecutors, her in particular, would pull the stunt if there were consequences for them doing it? I don't think so. I think I think from the Supreme Court all the way down, the judiciary. And all of the branches and divisions of justice at the federal and state levels, down to the co- county clerk levels and the local the local uh, villages, have to have a system in place that penalizes them if they are selectively prosecuting or unjustly prosecuting. And in the other regard, you and me do not hide behind, do not... Um, the, the the political officials cannot um, uh, uh, have a right to go after media as well. If uh, the hostile commentary from people like you and me impugns their integrity and hurts them, we have room. We, we have to, room to improve on our side as well. We must be held accountable for the merits of what we say about people that hurt their lives. You don't get away rifling through the underwear drawer of, uh, of, um, uh, in Mar-a-Lago to, um, to look for evidence that was never there. And then to tell me that Biden can say to all of us as an outright lie in the media that all of the documents in his home were under lock and key. When we know better, we saw better in dilapidated cardboard boxes that were rifled through and also which Biden allegedly was using to write his story with his ghostwriter when he retires, another revenue source for him, is a complete uh, two-tiered system of behavior that must be addressed in a constitutional amendment that does not exist now. If you're yeah. going to tell me, oh, but Jean, the right to free speech is absolute, it's absolute what? To give you the nuclear codes? Is it absolute to hurt your family? and your friends just because you're a public figure. These rights, that we all have some responsibility. No right is absolute. We must be responsible for our free speech, and we must be responsible for the way we govern. Yeah. Well said, Gene, and I agree with you, and I
2: think that if you are going to get some kind of amendment of that sort, uh, we're going to have to increase our numbers in the in both the House and the Senate in order to have a chance at passing it. Because right now, I don't know what's worse—the corrupt, D, the the corrupt as hell DOJ that is that that is uh, running a two tiered system of justice here or the media who is going to constantly run that two-tiered system of justice uh, for all the American viewers to see it. It's really a sad state of affairs. Gene, we got to let you roll. I do want to mention the the website, genevalentino.com, genevalentino.com. And don't forget Grassroots Truthcast with Gene Valentino. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, all of your streaming platforms. Gene, God bless, sir. It's always a pleasure to see you. You have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us you two gentlemen take care everybody right. you take care there he goes that's gene valentino you are watching state of the nation and we'll be right back on tnt today's news talk
0: tnt's timothy shea the race is essentially now vivek ramaswamy
4: and nikki haley ron disappoints this will be pulling his hat from the ring next and the issue as always is why is the nikki taking so much of the left's money well maybe this will give you a little insight she credits hillary clinton with inspiring her to enter politics having attended a women's leadership summit at which hillary spoke and nikki said and i quote i then had to decide whether i was a republican or democrat see nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters,
0: want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page, and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. TNT Radio.li. Online. online online streaming be a part of the conversation I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go TNT
2: okay welcome back to State of the Nation we're very happy to always happy to welcome our next guest Gerard Folletti as a senior counsel at the Lawfare Project he's a regular guest on the program and that's because he knows his stuff so we're very happy to welcome Gerard back to the show hey Gerard how are you man good to see you good always great to be on yeah it's great to have you i want to um want to start off with this <laughs> this reality show that has become the da's office in fulton county i'm telling you what this is made for lifetime tv or something what's going on there you've got fanny willis uh with her lover uh it that case is falling apart um but the good news is their relationship is as strong as ever but um The thing is, is apparently Fannie Willis told a judge that she didn't start dating this prosecutor that had done absolutely nothing except for basically traffic law. He was doing he was he was arguing speeding tickets until Fannie Willis got a hold of him. Now he's in charge of prosecuting one of the most powerful men on the planet. And she told a judge that we only started dating after, after we had already assigned him this position, uh, now apparently the defense is saying, oh, we've got witnesses that are coming, going to come out and say they've been dating for well over two years, um, which could land her in a hell of a lot of hot water, not to mention a threat to her, her practice of the uh, practicing law. I would think, what do you think about all this? Uh, Gerard, where's this going?
4: Well, I think this is going for a competition show to The Real Housewives of Atlanta. It can't get any better than this. Um, I, it really is. It's just a mess. So they're saying that they weren't in a relationship until 2022 after he started working for her. So let, let's let's say that again. They were having an improper relationship while one was employed by the other. Anywhere else in the country, that would be a problem. Apparently, not the not the Fulton County DA's office. They're saying they were together only since 2022. Witnesses are going to say that it started in 2020. So one, the other, both are lying. And there's over $600,000 that's been billed to the taxpayers, essentially, to cover this guy who is having a relationship with his boss, taking her on trips, cruises that we didn't even know about before, two cruises to the Bahamas, a trip to Belize. God knows what else is out there. And somehow nothing is wrong. This is all normal when you're prosecuting a former president. I think that's what the problem is, that they really needed to get their house in order before trying to point fingers at other people, uh, and they failed to do that.
1: Gerard, what do you think about the fact that this is is such a high profile case? I mean, this this is a weaponization of state government against a former president sort of case here. Is this the best they can come up with? I almost feel like I'm I'm being subjected to some sort of kabuki theater or something.
4: Well, I think that in a way I would say that this is they are this is the right prosecutorial team for these charges because it's all a joke. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have you know you, you, you don't have real charges here. You have charges that are highly politicized. So who else to prosecute them but you know Bonnie and Clyde or whatever you want to call them, this couple who's been engaging in impropriety for years. And add to your point, absolutely, this is not, this is a shame on any lawyer. This is a shame on the prosecutor's office. It calls into question not just the Trump prosecution, but what other cases has she prosecuted? Have those been handled impartially? Have those been handled correctly? It's a major po- problem for her, and it's a major problem for Fulton County. Wow. Well, you know, that's a, that's a great point, Gerard. I never even really thought about that. I would
2: think that if somebody's sitting uh, in the pokey right now and she's the one that put them there, they may be saying, hey, wait a damn minute. Um, let me ask you this. Now, this might, this is subjective, admittedly, but it does seem to me that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade, Fannie specifically, uh, or Fannie, whatever, I don't know how she pronounces it, don't much care, but I do know that she, does she feel that she's untouchable because she's checked enough of the progressive boxes? She's a black female progressive prosecutor, Therefore, I am more likely to get away with any kind of uh, malfeasance uh, and trips to Napa Valley with my boyfriend and cruises and all this because they wouldn't dare come after me because I check those boxes. Uh, it's not working out that way for her. But do you think that was part of the her, her lot? Or, 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 I'm just trying to make sense of how she could be so utterly stupid
4: Uh, And all I can come up with is she thinks that she's in a protected class. Well, in, in all fairness, I think that it, it has more to do with the mentality the mindset of some people in power. I mean, I remember a certain president who was who was doing inappropriate things in the Oval Office during a snowstorm uh, back in the day. And it's not so, I don't think it's a matter of much of, of her ticking the boxes as thinking that she has risen to this position where she is above the law, above the fray, and the rules don't really apply to her. She's the one who applies them to others. I, I think that's something I've seen in common across people who've been caught in scandal, whether it's a New York governor, or a New York mayor or anyone else is—they think they're above it. It's—it's it's not their politics, but rather their station. And of course, it tends to be more from one side than the other.
1: And That's and it point. speaks to a pretty large level of um, allowed corruption when you've got someone who has uh, never, uh, you know, been in a case to do with a RICO act before, or, or even a felony prosecution experience, as far as I can tell who's billed taxpayers over half a million dollars since 2022 for this. I mean, what's going on institutionally there that allows for this kind of, I mean, let's just call it what it is, corruption?
4: It it, it it is corruption, and it's a corruption that has no checks. It, when In private practice, when you're starting off as a lawyer and you have no experience on what you're working on, you're going to learn on the job. But the guy who's doing the billing, your partner, your boss, he's going to write off a lot of your time. The client's not going to pay for all of it because you're learning. This guy came in as an expert on Rico when he's not. He's learning on the job and he's billing the taxpayers. I mean, I, I think that smacks of fraud to some extent. And that's something that I, I wonder if the Georgia Senate's going to look into as well. But that's the problem. It, it is corruption. This guy's not qualified for the job, but he's being paid handsomely for it. Is it because he's sleeping with a boss? <laughs> well
2: we'll pick it up right there we're gonna take a real quick headline when we come back Gerard I want to note is Fannie Willis going to survive this and if she does is she going to survive it with her law license intact we'll see we'll talk with Gerard Felletti on the other side we take a real quick pause for headlines on today's news talk TNT the news right, right here
5: TNT radio JT, news
4: this is James O'Neill Israeli defense officials reported the successful rescue of two hostages, Fernando Simon Marmon and Louis Har, from the Hamas organization in southern Gaza's Rafah city. In Kinshasa, the capital of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, a tragic accident occurred on Friday when a bus collided with a truck, resulting in the deaths of at least 18 people. In the southern Philippines, a devastating landslide in the gold-mining village of Masaros resulted in 54 confirmed deaths globalist agendas.
0: Democratic rights at risk. Corruption. Propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT TNT Radio. Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs, delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk, this is TNT Radio.
2: Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. Our guest is Gerard Folletti. He's senior counsel at the Lawfare Project. So Gerard, let's just say that what Fannie Willis did when she spoke to that judge and assured the judge that she did not start a romantic relationship with Nathan Wade until after he had already been assigned To prosecute Trump, which just on its face doesn't seem believable, because to Hesh's point, he's never prosecuted any felony. It's all been family law and traffic court for Nathan Wade. So why she would appoint him without some other underlying reason is uh, that's a stretch. But let's just say she gets popped for this and the judge says, hey, you B.S. me. What's going to happen to her and what's going to happen to this case on a larger
4: to a larger extent? Well, first of all, it's it might not be that easy to get to her because I don't know what the actual statement she made was and what's the definition of a relationship was it when they were having intercourse or was it when they were it's subjective to some extent. So it's an issue with that she can get by with a lot depending on how she phrased it. But let's say for a second that she does get called out on it. What she gets called out on is lying. What she gets called on is the cover up. It's not the actual scandal underlying it. It's what she's saying now what she's doing now Uh, that she hired someone with inexperience. that's that's not something you lose your license for. That's something that gets you unelected, basically. That gets you kicked out of office. Uh, it's not disqualifying to be stupid as a lawyer because God knows we have plenty of stupid lawyers out there. Uh, what happens to the prosecution? That's a good question. From an ethics perspective, it shouldn't really affect it. But on the other hand, when you do have this th- this development where the prosecutors knew one another when one of them is being paid. and and having a relationship it calls into question motive it calls into question whether the basis for bringing the prosecution forward at all was in good faith or not so that there is room there for the judge overseeing the Trump case to say you know what maybe we need to rethink this maybe this case could survive but with other prosecutors not with these ones so let's kick it and see if another DA would file the same charges yeah
1: and, and there's the matter of um uh, wade's uh divorce also if if so if these claims are are backed up i mean it sounds like uh he was staying at uh, willis's house uh as far back as 2019 when he's still married so i mean this uh this whole case you're right it, it is like a, a bad competitor to real housewives of atlanta or something like that i mean i don't know it's it sure seems like it has thrown a lot of dirt on the case i mean it as far as trump goes do you think he'll get is there any chance he can get prosecuted of this or do you think it's more likely that this this just is going to end up getting thrown out because of this scandalous nature of it all
4: well let's talk about the other scandal as well the one that hasn't been as looked into why was wade meeting at the white house with counsel twice apparently in yeah. the this year. What were the discussions going on with Biden White House, with the Biden team, with the Justice Department? Was there any collusion there? Were there any undue influences there? I think that's the bigger issue that needs to be addressed. And I think that that's where Trump's attorneys will put emphasis, that this isn't something that was motivated by a crime committed in Georgia, that this is part of a larger plan by Joe Biden to block his number one uh, opponent from having a clear run at the title, so to speak. So I, I think there's a lot more to be developed before we can figure out what's going to happen. but Donald Trump will certainly be making a lot of this because at the very least it smells bad and it it looks bad for the Democrats who are looking for any excuse to prosecute them and at best this is a a, a prosecution that might fall apart and not be refiled yeah well that's exactly right I mean
2: yeah it's uh, (laughs) it has really been a bad week for Democrats this past week and, and I mean, you know, first we get the report from Robert Herr, then we hear this crap about Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade. We kind of got some clue into it last week, but now it's really starting to unravel. I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for something to, something to leak about, uh, Jack Smith's case and how bad that is. But, you know, to your point, Gerard, Nathan Wade sat in the oval with, I, I presumably DOJ officials and other uh, high-ranking federal prosecutors, good Lord. I mean, it, it, the chutzpah, not even chutzpah, that's the wrong word. Just the the brazenness of it. They they seem to not care. They seem to be like, look, we're going to throw everything we've got at this guy Trump. And if we have to use a couple of uh, uh, moron lawyers in Georgia to get it done, we're going to do that. And then we're going to lean on Jack Smith. And I mean, I, it, it does it. it to to me, it looks like it's all falling apart. Do you kind of get that sense too? Not just the Fannie Willis, but the all of it, all of their all of their dreams of stopping Trump seem to be turning to ash. Do you get that vibe too?
4: Well, let's not forget the Supreme Court argument last week as well, where the justices seem to pretty much foreshadow where they're going with this, which is likely to be to let Trump back on the ballot and find that the 14th Amendment doesn't apply. So you're seeing so many efforts in so many states that are falling apart, but they keep going. They keep trying. And God knows what's going to happen next. Flip side is the Republicans are now couldn't can find room for the offensive and not just talking about the border, but look at that nice little report that her put out last week it's not just about prosecuting biden it's about well gee who else can do something maybe congress can impeach him because here's this report saying he probably committed a crime but the doj is not going to prosecute him well guess who else gets a bite at that apple and that's the u.s congress with the impeachment proceedings and expect that to start up at some point we it hasn't been really talked about this week but that's the next item on the agenda
1: yeah yeah absolutely You know, and um, Roman's claiming in the filings that Willis intentionally gave statements to the media to enhance her own public image and to poison the jury pool against Roman, uh, which echoes allegations made last week by fellow Trump co-defendant David Schaefer from uh, the former GOP, Georgia GOP chairman. Uh, What about that? Is there is there anything legal that could come of these kind of claims
4: of poisoning the jury pool? Well, I think it's before charges are filed, it's one thing. We we have prosecutors. It's it's a long established pattern, and it's permissible, quite frankly, to be making strong case statements about your case uh, and, and saying how certain are you going to win. It's a different matter when it's actually you you have a, a trial that's started, when you have a case that's been filed. Then, when you're making these comments, then it becomes a matter of poisoning the jury. So there's that little bit of a distinction. But uh, I, I think all of this is the point is that these prosecutors have been making statements. Some judges, the judge in D.C., remember, she's been making statements about J6 defendants even before Trump was charged with anything. And does that poison the well? Absolutely it does. And you'll see motions on it.
1: All right. Well, uh, we're going to have to keep an eye on this one. This is definitely one of those cases that, uh, you know, in the pile here, the lawfare pile. So, Gerard, we really appreciate <laughs> you joining us today and uh, we'll look forward to your next visit here at State of the Nation. Always appreciate your input. Uh, again, the lawfare project with gerard Phility thank you so much for joining us here at state of the nation gerard we'll see you next time this is today's news talk tnt de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective
6: according to people the earth's temperature and i say people because i don't really consider the people saying this actual scientists they may have degrees but since they're using temperature as a metric for climate they don't know what they're talking about but according to them, this has been the hottest year on record, 2023. Now that's interesting because the world population is going over 8 billion. In fact, there are close to 70 million new people on the planet than there were back in 2022. Or put it this way, there are 70 million more. Now, I can't figure out if things are so bad, how come the population continues to increase? I mean, aren't we in a hell hole right now? Now, I realize most of you don't have degrees in meteorology and that's fine. What we were taught at Penn State, back when Penn State used to not be a climate indoctrination school, Well, maybe they're not now that Michael Mann has left and gone to the University of Pennsylvania. But we were taught that temperature is a very poor metric for climate. Wet bulb temperatures are a much better metric because after all, water vapor is very important, right? So if you know how much energy is in the air and you know that a lot better with a wet bulb temperature, then you get a better look at it. see, it can be hotter, but if it's drier, there's no real change in the amount of energy in the air. Better than that though are saturation mixing ratios. Now this really quantifies the water vapor. So let me ask you a question. If you want to track down the source of what warming is, would you use something that doesn't correlate at all to the temperature, CO2? Or would you use something that has a direct correlation to the temperature, which is water vapor? This is TNT climate and weather watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got.
5: Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So, if you're travelling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. 1. Check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to re-plan your trip. 2. Think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. 3. It's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire, and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today.
0: Critically analyzing national affairs. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: The work our next guest has been doing in local politics in San Diego for his community with regards to the issues of homelessness and other topics is directly tied to the border crisis as well as it turns out no surprise here lots of the same players in san diego's homeless industrial complex are dipping into the migrant pots of money our next guest says it should be illegal and he like many of us finds it so corrupt and disgusting he's a retired u.s marine and a resident of the east village in san diego His name is Giorgio Crillo. Giorgio, thank you for joining us. Tell us about what you're learning, about how the money going to illegal migration support uh, seems to be bleeding into some of the other challenges you're dealing with, like the homeless epidemic.
7: Well, I'll just give you some quick background. I started working in San Diego in local politics about a year ago. um, I've been a, a resident of San Diego. I was stationed here in 2008 in the Marine Corps. I ended up retiring out of here. I chose San Diego as my home. And uh, when, I, when I retired from the Marine Corps, I decided that I wanted to continue to fight for America. And I did get involved in politics. I worked for a uh, retired Green Beret by the name of Joe Kent, who's running for Congress up in Washington state, who kind of, I broke my teeth up there in the, uh, the system that we have uh, that's known as federal politics and uh, by the end of that campaign i was disgusted i returned uh, back to san diego and uh, decided that i was just going to start working in my community to make a difference uh, to basically work from doorstep out to work where uh, policy meets pavement and in local politics i think a lot of us are distracted by the cnn fox news uh, hubbub that we're constantly uh, focused on and we don't actually pay attention to our local leaders and our local leadership, the people that have direct control and power over us. So that's where I, uh, that's where I aimed at working. And uh, in order to do that, I basically had to identify uh, some of the major players in the area and how I could make a difference uh, really for my neighbors. San Diego is suffering under the weight of what can only be described as a massive, massive scam of epic proportions when it comes to homelessness um what i started to find is that um the the people that are on our streets here are there by design and it's the system that has placed them there san diego is the finest climate in the entire country it has some of the greatest livability and uh as my neighborhood started to get overrun with you know, junkies and crime. I started to fight against it, and I, I wanted to identify the the best ways and and positive effects to do that. So, just that's that's the background there. I I, I was working to save San Diego from the impending um, doom that's coming to it. That uh, if if you live here, if you uh, walk around the streets of San Diego, it's it's visible uh, everywhere you go and um the number one thing that i identified was fentanyl fentanyl is absolutely um it has completely changed the game in the inner city workings of the united states of america we haven't really grasped the scale of the fentanyl crisis i think it makes covid i think it makes uh every other um drug crisis that we've ever had it looks like child's play and what I found was my local government was unwilling to even acknowledge its existence whether it's in press releases whether it's in their policy writing whether it's in uh just uh you know you you confront them with the facts the statistics and the numbers and they simply and um, acknowledge it yeah and, uh, and as they- I started picking that. Yeah, I mean it's it is wild what's happening here.
2: Well, Giorgio, uh hi, Steve Hook, and welcome to the show. We're we're thrilled to have you. Um it is, and it's not this is not hyperbolic to say this is chemical warfare being waged against the country uh by China, who sends all the component ingredients to Mexico and other South and Central American countries where they're promptly Pressed into multicolored pills, make them look good to the kids. They're pressed into fake bars of Xanax. They're ground down and put into Coke or whatever else they're doing, and and that's what it is. And 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 here we have a situation where one particular side of the aisle realizes that it's good for their political future if they flood the zone with illegals. And if you have to accept the fact that there's going to be hundreds of thousands of Americans dying because of the scourge of uh, fentanyl, well, whatever at least we can replace them with these new people. Now I know that sounds cynical, but you sound like you're pretty cynical. You got a good taste at what it looks like from the federal uh, election side of things. When you went to help your buddy in uh, Washington state, every time I go to DC, I feel like I have to take a shower when I leave. It's just so ugly, but we really are looking at chemical warfare and the Democrats. And frankly, the media is in large part turning a blind eye to it. Um, that's pretty bad, huh? They are treating a blind eye and, and they're
7: using uh they're using the the suffering of Americans on the street as political poker chips. I watch people die from my kitchen window nearly every single day. There's a there's a homeless provider that's across the street from my home. Uh, the the cacophony of sirens, uh in downtown San Diego. And, and this is something that's mirrored across every single major city in America, but truly here, this is ground zero for the fentanyl crisis. And it, it really came full circle for me when I finally went down to the border a few weekends ago to take a look uh, for myself with Joe Kent, um, exactly the, you know, the, the actual function, like how, how is this physically working? What are some of the barriers uh, to this, uh, whether it's federal or local? And what we found down there uh, is is disgusting. I mean, it's uh, it's vile. It's not simply, you know, I think a lot of veterans like to say, well, as a veteran, Um, you know, we deployed to defend this country X, Y, and Z. Um, Every single American, regardless of your political persuasion, should be holding, every single one of our elected officials accountable for the invasion that's taking place and and you're correct you you hit a, uh, the nail on the head when we when we see that there is one side of the aisle that's using this uh this migration that's funding this migration that's facilitating it deeper in our country um to stack votes and at the cost of Americans and it's a lot more than just lives that's uh, being affected. So you talk about China. Um, my military mind, uh, my service, I worked in special operations and I worked for the security state, I worked for the NSA. Um, my boss was in a, was in a, a very secret unit and uh, we have a lot of mutual friends in the special operations and intelligence community it's something that we dedicated our lives to. It's something that we performed for America overseas at great risk uh, for for many years. And when you look at the scale of this crisis and you remove the lens of the societal issues, whether it's racism or or, uh, or whatever sort of a social justice stamp that you want to put on this migration, when you look at it from an unconventional warfare perspective, China and our enemies abroad are purposefully doing this to destabilize the United States of America. And San Diego, our city, has become the test ground for this entire uh, this entire effort. And and when you see it in person, like I said, every single day. Um, when I see a person that's addicted to fentanyl on the street, it's not just it's not just the idea that there's an American there suffering. it's it's the fact that we have to spend massive amounts of resources on that individual, uh, whether it's the care that they get when they're overloading our emergency services, whether it's the medical care that they receive, um, the idea that we have to pay for housing for these individuals, which you know, is the uh, driving one of the driving factors that I found in the San Diego nonprofit network is that it's directly tied to producing government run housing. But the financial aspect every single person that you can get addicted to fentanyl comes with great, great cost. That's destabilization. We have to spend money on thousands and thousands of individuals who are not only destroying themselves, but they're destroying their communities around them. And uh, along the way, when you find out who's profiting off of it, that's when you start to, you know, the the red flags are are starting to be raised because there is one side of the aisle that is profiting. It's not exclusive to the Democrat party, but what I will say is, is that their network of NGOs are printing money from this crisis. They will not acknowledge China and they will not acknowledge the crime. They will not acknowledge the cartel violence. They will not acknowledge the Gens. They won't mention it. They simply fix the statistics to work in your favor.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and from a warfighter perspective, I find it, um, I'm curious about your perspective on this. For me, I find it disingenuous the way that we're communicated to by the mass media cartel about drug cartels. You know, It's like cartel this, cartel that. But it's very subdued. It's very small. There's no there, there's there's no sense of urgency in the fact that we lost 100,000 people last year to deadly fentanyl and we're on track to lose another 100,000 more totals going to be approaching half a million people by the end of this administration and We've got you know concerns about terror attacks, national security. We've got people from over like 170 countries coming here, uh, to the tune of a million people every two months or so. I mean, um, it's it's just I don't know. What is your perspective on the vulnerability that that the government has created by opening the border and by you know not addressing? The, the chemical warfare i mean a hundred thousand people a year we started the GWOT over you know 2997 people we got a patriot act and ndaa and all this stuff going on and and over the years what do they tell us conservative americans are the biggest threat in the country i mean that that does must not feel good
7: well i think i might be on a watch list or two as well at this point and uh from a guy who used to monitor watch lists it's a little disturbing to understand the security state that's built around the patriot act that's built around fisa that's we haven't learned anything from the the fisa abuses of the 2020 election cycle i think uh um i think we need to take a closer look at that in the, in the future but from the perspective of the vulnerability um San Diego County is host to, I think, 170,000 active duty military. Uh, we have 32nd Street. We have uh, naval infrastructure here, not only in uh, not only in active duty military, but also in uh, procurement of uh, you know defense related items. One out of every four dollars that comes into San Diego County is defense related. San Diego County is one of the premier uh, defense industrial complex uh, counties in the entire United States of America. It's something that's not really acknowledged. So San Diego itself, we are of strategic importance. We have the uh, Third Marine Air Wing in Miramar. Uh, we have Camp Pendleton out to the north um, and the West Coast SEAL teams. And uh, when, at, when you take a look at the border, that you could infiltrate with a team of special operations personnel or staff or saboteurs. You could walk across and you could drive to Miramar Air Base in 30 minutes and conduct a large scale attack. Those of us that have been stationed here domestically, um, when we talk about base defense plans, we kind of live uh in this uh bubble of uh false security you know we have our military police that patrol and we have our reaction teams but when we talk about small scale based defense there's only a few people at, at all times that are fully armed on base this is america it's safe uh, allegedly we, we we don't think about the idea that one of our enemies could stage an attack so when I go down to the border and I freely walk into Mexico, my, my dog hops the fence, by the way, and takes off running into Mexico for a little bit. And I was a little worried about that, but, uh, when, when, I, when I have the capacity to do that and spread across the border wall are thousands of discarded IDs that are of Chinese military age males, with military haircuts, with military features, with with uh, that are physically fit and able. When you see it for per- in person, and you realize that you could drive from the border to Miramar Air Base with a hundred people in a matter of a half hour, and you could breach the fence of Miramar. You could put 100 people through that hole in a matter of minutes and every single one of them whether they're armed with a satchel charge or a rifle or grenade can quite literally take out the third marine you know airbag f-35s c-130s f-18s um and the chaos that that would cause in simply a matter of minutes you don't have to worry about the technological advantage that these jets have when they take off in the air. You don't have to worry about an early morning. It's 40 minutes. It's a 40 minute drive. And from wow. the perspective of an individual that worked in special operations and the planning that we do when we go to these countries and you know the, the purposes behind it, that is a that's a devastating attack of strategic um, impact it's low cost it's easy to it's easy to get off it's something that is not just um a realistic option I think it's something that we should be planning for and why our leaders in the Pentagon again our senior leadership in the Pentagon is not sounding the alarm over the yeah Giorgio
1: I I, got to cut you off right there. I hate to do it, and I feel like we should have you back on because I want to expand on this idea a little bit more. What you just laid out there is uh, verifiably true and verifiably frightening. And, uh, man, time always flies when we have great guests like you and all our other guests today. I want to thank you. I want to thank all the other guests that were with us today. I want to thank you for watching us here at TNT. And stay tuned for The Misty Winston Show. We'll see you tomorrow with another State of the Nation at today's News Talk TNT.